At Arizona State University, we offer a variety of programs online designed and taught by a renowned faculty to empower your success. That's why 87% of ASU online graduates stated they were promoted or received an increase in salary after earning their degree. Visit asuonline.asu.edu. This program is sponsored by Amplify Peace. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Amplify Peace. We are all about exploring how we can listen, learn, and live differently in this crazy world. Together, we want to discover the impact of empathy, the strength of unity, the power of love, and the beauty of humanity. I'm your host, Lisa Jernigan, and joining me today for a very special um, podcast. We're in a two-part series. We just concluded with part one, which highly encourage you to listen to because you're going to hear a little more of the background of our special guest and his story, which is fascinating, and just why he does this work. But we're going to continue with um, part two with my special guest, Salam Al-Marayati, who is the president and co-founder of Impact, org, which stands for Muslim Public Affairs Council. And in, in part one, you, uh, you know, I highly encourage you to listen to it again. But, um, you know, we talked about just how do we focus on our commonalities? Like there are differences. We're not trying to make each other just like each other. We're not about uniformity. We're about unity. And there are barriers and um, and misperceptions that we have that Christians have toward Muslims. Muslims maybe have toward Christians. Um Cultures, there's a cultural aspect to this, a faith component. And a lot of times when we are unclear, when there's misinformation, when there's confusion, we tend to create a negative story, right, about the other. And we tend to other and make it about us versus them. And we're all about how do we become a we? How do we respect each other, honor each other? How do we actually become friends? And it doesn't mean we have to agree with everything. And I think that's a huge misperception. If I'm going to be friends with somebody that's different than me, that means I'm agreeing with them. And it's like, no, it doesn't mean you have to agree on everything, but it means you love and you respect and you honor and you focus on the commonalities first. And that's so much a part of your work. So Salam, welcome to Amplify Peace. I'm so honored to be with you. Thank you, Lisa. Well, it is an honor just to hear your story and just for you to to um, give clarity and 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 allow us to hear from your perspective, because um, you know you know we talk about the other who the other is it's somebody that maybe shares a different belief system values um, opinions, but we don't ever think of ourselves as the other to somebody mm-hmm. else, right? right? And so I think you know I, it's good for us to hear from somebody else perception of even us what they're thinking so. Um, really, and in an Amplify Peace, we're all about how do we truly posture ourselves as listeners, because we have much to learn, right? And how do we truly listen beyond our comfort zones? And then how do we learn, position ourselves so we, we're curious, we want to learn, we realize we don't know everything. And then as a result of that, maybe there's some things in our lives we need to alter to live differently, to show up differently in this world to people. And so that's our challenge as we seek to raise up peacemakers in this world um, to show up differently. And so one of the things I just want to ask you, because here's a question and a thought that I know that people have when they hear the word Islam um, and Muslim, they, uh, and even in the news, what we're having with Hamas and Gaza, ISIS, when you hear of countries in the Middle East, you you think of the word terrorists 
and terrorism. Yes. Talk to us about that. Yeah, uh, that's probably the most important question that can be asked in any of our gatherings is to understand where where do we have these notions where religion um, becomes a source of something that's violent, that's ugly, that's terrifying. Um, and so we have to deconstruct it and understand what are the political aspects of it, what are the religious aspects of it, and what are the cultural aspects of it. And culture obviously pl- plays a very important role in this. And and I always tell people in, in all the Christian and Jewish audiences and academic uh, forums I've spoken at is that every religion has principles and every country has a culture where some of these religions, religious principles are applied. Some of them have nothing to do with, with religion and some of them actually violate religion. Mm-hmm. Terrorism is one of the things that violates religion. God does not want us to harm civilians, no matter what the situation is, even in times of war. Our prophet Muhammad told us, you can't even cut a tree you can't harm an animal. You can, definitely cannot harm civilians. You go to the battlefield, you fight the war, and even if your enemy says peace and you don't trust your enemy, have faith in God, put your trust in God, and make peace. So that, that in a nutshell, is what Islam uh, says. So how did, how did terrorism come to be in, 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 in the Middle East and, and throughout that region? Well, like I said, a lot of it came from war, wars that have been happening for quite some time and wars that are more recent. War radicalizes the region. And when you suppress a people that, and, 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 and there becomes a resistance to that, some of that resistance is nonviolent, some of that resistance is violent, and some of that resistance ends up in becoming terrorism. The United States, unfortunately, only looks to Muslims as having the problem with terrorism. They don't think that there's a Hindu problem. Uh, of terrorism now. There's Hindu nationalism. They don't think that there's a Jewish problem with terrorism, even though there are Jewish settlers. And if you're, if you ever visited the West Bank, you know exactly what I mean when you have Jewish settlers who terrify Palestinians, steal their land, push them out, um, sometimes kill them, take their, um, their appliances even from their own homes, things like that that happen all the time. Uh, and when a state bombs civilians in order to achieve a military objective, that by definition is terrorism. So we Muslims see this issue of terrorism as a double standard, that it only applies to us. It doesn't apply to anybody else. When, mm-hmm. apply, when other people do it, well, that's, you know, that's a, an understandable uh, reaction. And, and that's, that's the way it is. And we just have to live with it and restrain yourselves. Don't react. But when a Muslim commits an act of violence, then all of a sudden that becomes uh, terrorism and an existential issue for us. Uh, as Americans. So we have to do away with the double standards of violence. And believe you me, if there's any group that wants to do away with terrorism, it's Muslims. Every time we hear of a violent incident and there's a possibility that a Muslim can be involved, the first thing we pray is, God, please don't let that be a Muslim who committed that act of violence. I don't know if you remember, just a few months ago, there was an incident at the border between Canada and the United States near Niagara Falls where a car, there was an explosion in a car, and it was on the news and everybody was waiting to see, oh, my God, could that be terrorism? Ended up not being terrorism. But if it, if it had been, uh, if there was a Muslim involved in it, the whole story would have changed. So we in the West ha- have this bias that anything violent coming from Muslims is about terrorism. Anything violent coming from anywhere else is not terrorism. But we should first and foremost say that 
that that religion and Islam and, and Judaism, Christianity, all religions have no tolerance for any harm towards civilians or any terrorism. It never justifies what we want to achieve. And we want to do away with terrorist groups. We want to see a, a way where we can achieve peace uh, and achieve, achieve justice without using terrorism a, as an instrument. Unfortunately, with the situation that, that we see, uh, for example, what happened on October 7th, Hamas went in and took hostages. Some of the hostages were military. Some of the hostages were civilians because they wanted to get the Palestinian hostages that are in Israeli prisons out. So that's one narrative. But from the Israeli narrative, it is uh, the worst violent incident uh, on Israeli soil since the Holocaust. And so they reacted the way we see that they are reacting. We as Americans should be neutral on the issue and try to achieve peace. And it's only going to be achieved politically. Even if you believe that that Jews have the right uh, to have a state in Israel, at the end of the day, do we want to achieve that uh, that goal uh, of a Jewish state, having a Jewish state in the Middle East, mil- militarily or through peaceful means? It's it's not going to succeed militarily. Everybody's going to die uh, there. And if that's what we want, then say we want everybody to die there, and then that will achieve our religious convictions or our religious prophecies, whatever. But if we want to achieve peace, the only way to achieve peace is at the negotiating table. The only way to achieve peace is for people to come together and say, enough killing. Let us see. Your your views are this way. Our views are this way. How can we manage the situation for the time being? Um, you make peace with your enemy. You don't make peace with friends. Friends are called allies. And so we as Americans should demand that enemies come together and achieve peace achieve a peaceful solution that is just for both the Palestinians and the Israelis. As Martin Luther King said, either we have coexistence or we're going to have co-annihilation. So let us work for coexistence. And that means understanding the different narratives about the Middle East that Muslims have versus what we um, Muslims in in that region have versus what Jews or Christians have uh, uh, about the Middle East. There's a saying in the Quran that I think is very important for us to understand as Muslims. It says, evil and good are not equal. So repel evil with that which is good. And that way, the one with whom there is enmity becomes as if he is your closest and warmest friend. Mm -hmm. So I believe in conversion, not necessarily religious conversion, but social conversion, converting people from enemies to friends. And to me, that is the challenge that religion gives all of us. Uh, and 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 we have to do away with tribalism, ethno-nationalism, as a way of looking at these issues, you know, through our religious narratives, our religious na- lens. It, it should be away from this kind of bias that we have towards the region, and that way we can have a better discourse in America that would offer a better opportunity and chance for peace in the Middle East. Mm-hmm. So much to what you just said. Um, and, you know, just for peace, uh, again, it's, you know, and, it, and it's for for me as a Jesus follower is it is the teachings of Jesus to love our enemy, do good to those who who persecute you and living those teachings of love and respect and and going beyond and forgiveness and crossing the lines and 
and uh, making your enemy your friend, like you said, hard, really hard work. But unless we do that, we're never going to change, right? It's always going to be just in a state of war. Exactly. At point, somebody has to go, I choose to love. I choose to see the other as a fellow human being first, seeing our humanity first be so, before we see our politics, before we see our ethnicities, before all of that, right? I see as, as a human being first. And from that place. Yes, it's about, it's about having that love for God. Mm-hmm. I think that's what is the missing component. It's our love for God that will help us overcome that hatred that we feel when we see our people uh, persecuted and harmed. Um, and we see so much destruction. So are we doing it because we hate what's happening or are we doing it because we love God? And I think that's the test of every believer in God is to overcome that impulse um, when you see something terrible and bad done and you, you have that anger. Um, so how do we overcome that anger? Because the, the emblem of, of anger is Satan. Satan was angry at God because God created Adam and Eve, and he said, the human is going to be more important than you, Satan. And so out of jealousy and out of anger and hatred, Satan said, I'm going to fight every human being and show you that they're not worthy of your creation. And God said, okay, we'll give you until the last day to, to see who's right, and then I, I will delay your punishment until then. So the story then of this anger, that satanic impulse within each and every human being, it is that, that is Satan. And so everything we do in terms of worship, whether we are praying or fasting or, or, tithe, or giving our, our charity, is to purify ourselves from that anger and jealousy within each and every human being. And then we can be agents for God to make peace in a more effective way. You do know that right now some of the things you're saying are blowing people's minds because they have you in a different box. And oh. I mean, for the good and for the, right? This, this is where it's because we really do have a lot more in common, though we still have our differences and our faith um, beliefs and practice, but there is a lot in common that we share. And again, how do we focus on that? And we really believe, you know, peace begins with each one of us going inside of our own hearts and souls and go and asking God, what do you see? Where is where do I have, where am I harboring hatred or ill intent or um, seeds of division rather than promoting seeds of unity and love? Um, and I think that, you know, that's a challenge for each one of us. It's hard to go inside and see what's inside of us first because you can't give away what you don't own. Right. And so, you know, um, and how do we truly love beyond? And for us, love the way Jesus and love the way God calls us to love. And to show up for each human being. Um, One of the ways you talk about how we can kind of promote this and how we can just really love others is through a project you guys have called Mustard Seed, the Mustard Seed Project. Yes. Which you go into churches and you basically, it's around tables, right? Tables of conversation, tables for understanding, tables for where we can really see each other eye to eye. And, and, and look at each other's eyes and go, I want to hear your story. I want to understand more here. Help me understand. Help me to see through your lens, right? That's and right. going after so many times we want to go attack somebody. We want to prove that we're right. They're wrong. And 
that never allows a friendship to 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 happen or to flourish because nobody wants to be on the defense nobody wants to be feel like they're in a conversation where they're being seen as wrong all the time so how do we just allow people to to honor their stories again without having to agree with the story so tell us a little bit about the mustard seed project the background to it and what it, what it looks like cuz you're going to kind of do one of these projects coming up in right. on February 3rd that is February 3rd will be part of our mustard seed project and mustard seed comes from both the Bible and the Quran in the Quran. It says, you know, somebody is telling his son, Oh, my son, no matter what you do, no matter how little it is, even if it is the weight of a mustard seed, if God wills, God can bring it to light. So any small act of compassion, any small act of good, God will grow from it from even if it's just a mustard seed, and it can be the light that can change the world, take people from darkness to light. And I believe uh, in the Bible, Jesus says, have faith even if it's the weight of a mustard seed. If that faith is the weight of a mustard seed, it can move a mountain. Um, and so that that's the idea is small acts among people, because I think it's time to stop waiting for politicians and so-called international and national leaders to create change. Change has to happen from the ground up. So mustard seed is a people-to-people way of creating change by first understanding our differences. And it's okay to have differences. I'm not a Christian. You're not a Muslim. But we both believe in God. We both want to do good in the name of God. We both want to see our religions known for what it is and not for what it is not, right? So what it isn't. So mustard seed is a way of asking anything with each other, coming up with a discussion, and then talking about how we can work together, even if it's just sweeping the floors uh, of a school, we will do that together. Uh, Mm -hmm. Or if it's on a peace mission, we will do that together. Or if it's a seminar, we can do that together. And we produced a film called The Healer. It's about a Muslim doctor in Lubbock. And we chose Lubbock because people probably don't think that there are any Muslims in Lubbock, Texas. And indeed, there is a Muslim community there. And this doctor saved lives. And she has wonderful relations with people. You know, we we keep thinking that interfaith just means we go to uh, a religious setting setting and then talk uh, and have theological uh, presentations. No, interfaith um, to me, America's interfaith, e pluribus unum, is about faith as much as it, as it is about race and ethnicity. It's about all these different religions coming together in America, and we become one voice for good. Uh, and so we we made the film as a as a starting point, as a starter for conversation in in churches and in mosques. So we we were at uh, Christian Central or Central Christian Church in Glendale, Arizona. Uh, a few times, and we've made great friendships, uh, starting with Pastor Dean there. And I believe he's going to come to the mosque on February 3rd, and he will say a few words about this program. And we're going to have a very in-depth conversations. Um, and, and hopefully we'll have a good uh, composition of both Christians and Muslims. Because I believe that it really is about building better Christian-Muslim relations. And again, it's not about trying to convert each other to say, oh, you have to see it my way and I have to see it your way. It's just understanding the differences. 
uh, and understanding what is real religion, what's the religious principle versus what's the politics of religion that human beings tend to exploit to serve their political interests uh, and they exploit religion as a result. So we, we believe that America gives us that opportunity to have this open conversation. Mm. It's, it's so, it's so beautiful when you can actually sit down and so much, you know, the information we, you know, we, we think we know somebody and we, we, we create this opinion, this bias about a Muslim neighbor, whatever. And then, then the next question is, have you actually talked to that neighbor? Do you actually know their story? Have you actually sat down with them? And that changes everything. And so that's one of the, you know, just even to our listeners, challenging them, who who can you, can you start a conversation with and and not be afraid? Cause I think we're taught to fear. We see, you know, we see um, a woman covered in the grocery store or somewhere. And it's like, immediately we're like, okay, well, I don't know what to do with this. Right. Yeah. To us a little bit about that. Like, how do we, how does a person listening right now going, I've never had a conversation with a Muslim before. I don't even know how to start a conversation. What would you advise? Well, I mean, if they know it's a Muslim, the, the easiest way to start a conversation is to say, peace be upon you. Uh, mm. Assalamu alaikum. And immediately you'll see that Muslim smile um, because you connect with that, with that person. And because a woman covers her hair, it doesn't mean that... Um, that uh, she's backwards or oppressed. In fact, many Muslims who cover their hair, they feel that they're more liberated because they're not treated as, as sex objects that way. But that's a, to me, that really is a personal choice. And again, if you go to the Middle East and, and that part of the world, you'll find a lot of Orthodox Christians who cover their hair uh, or Orthodox Jews who cover their hair uh, uh, as well. So some of it is culture. It's not a religious, um, uh, what we call the uh, uh, the creed. It's not a matter of creed. It's a matter of choice. Uh, if a woman does not cover her hair, it doesn't mean that she's not a good Muslim. You, you can find Muslim women who don't cover their hair, but are, are a great character um, and are great leaders in our community. So you find both. And, and that's one of the stereotypes. They think that all Muslim women cover their hair. Um, and that's not true at all. Yes, they cover their hair when they pray. Uh, some of them cover their hair when they listen to the Quran. Uh, but it's not a, it's not one of those pillars in Islam. As I said, the pillars are about prayer and fasting and tithing and, and, and making Hajj to Mecca, which is about human equality and bearing witness to the truth. That's the first pillar of Islam is bearing witness to the truth. And isn't that what Jesus taught us? Uh, is to be a witness. And that light that Jesus carried, he was able to dwarf the Roman Empire, and his word prevailed over the word of that empire. That is the lesson that we have uh, from our faiths. Mm. It's so good. You know, so much good can happen when we really step over the lines and we're in proximity with each other. And um, there's so much beauty in in discovering about our different cultures and our communities and um, even challenging stereotypes that are out there and going, okay, I don't know if I, I don't know if I believe that anymore. Not I've, I've had a conversation with somebody, right. Or I understand a lot of what you said has really created some clarity and I hope it's really helped a a lot of our listeners. I know for me to even break down some walls that we maybe didn't realize we had or that we had constructed um, because we didn't know. And a lot of times on this journey of peacemaking, 
a common uh, phrase will be, I had no idea. I didn't know that. And right. that's, we're all in this trying to learn, right. And learn yes. from each other and learn what is truth and what is not. And, um, and how do we make, you know, what may be strange to us become familiar? How do we become comfortable with the uncomfortable? Right. Mm-hmm. right. And that's our challenge as human beings and seeing all of us is in this together. Well, and to our listeners today, if you've been listening to this um, and even to our previous podcast, you know, I hope you're listening going, okay, what is something I can do? What is a step I can take today to be a bridge builder, to be a part of creating unity, not division? Because we see everything divides almost. Right. So how can we really um, be a peacemaker that creates unity in those spaces, whether it's starting a conversation, whether it's um, learning more, you know, and, and just going, I need to learn more about this because um, maybe what I've been taught isn't accurate. Again, I want to just thank you for joining this conversation. How do people learn more about you and your work? You can go to our website, Muslim Public Affairs Council, which is uh, mpac.org. And you'll find a lot of information. If you're in, if you're near uh, Scottsdale, Arizona, we'll be there February 3rd. I hope uh, a lot of your audience can join us. And uh, we'll have some good food and good conversation and maybe some ideas in moving forward. Uh, I believe this work is going to be so critical because we're on the verge of a regional, if not a world war in the Middle East. Absolutely. And it's not going to achieve anything. It will, it will create more problems. Um, so this is the work of our lifetime, is to at least begin the process for peacemaking um, through mutual understanding and through achieving the truth or trying to reach uh, an understanding that is closer to the truth. Uh, because as you said, there's a lot that we don't know because we never asked. Right. So come to come on February 3rd, ask anything. And even if we don't agree, at least will agree to disagree and become closer friends for it. Absolutely. Well, as always, thanks for being a part of this podcast and the Amplified Peace community. For more information on living as a peacemaker in today's world, connect with us at AmplifiedPeace.com and you can follow us on all social media. Thank you. Thank you, Lisa. This program was sponsored by Amplified Peace. It's a new year and home improvement projects have been on your to-do list. For your roofing, siding, window, and bath replacement, check out Debella. Debella is your local home improvement expert. With awards from Angie's List, Home Advisor, and more than 15,000 people on Google posted about their five-star experience with Debella. With a limited-time offer of no money down and no payments until 2025 on approved credit, now's the perfect time to update your roofing, siding, window, and bath. With Debella.